Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Go ahead and get your Bibles open to John chapter 1, verse 12, John 1, 12, and 1 Peter 2, 9, two locations there. Uh, While you're looking that up, I do have a special request for you. Uh, Here here in downtown, we have, there there are people who have certain needs that you're not going to find in other places of the community, and that is the homeless. Uh, and and it's it's a it's a constant issue that we we work with. We, we we have a philosophy here. There are a lot of there are a lot of outreaches and there are a lot of food programs and and clothing programs here around the downtown area. But what we have decided to do since the beginning is when a homeless person gets into our comes into our church, we we adopt them into our family and we help work them out of homelessness one way or another. And sometimes it takes months or years, but but I'll tell you, it is so rewarding where where a person who may have been homeless begins attending our church and then five years later they own their own home and those types of things happen here with our church and uh, and some of them usually they'll, they'll move further out which is which is great which is fine but that's part of the ministry of our church but there is one individual who uh, who's a part of our church he's been a part of us for a long time and we call him Jack and he is in fact Jack I know you're back in the back would you stand up real quick so if people don't know who you are that you can see okay uh, he, uh, he's, he, he's not able to completely function 100% on his own. He knows that, and so we work with him. Well, one of the things that we've done in rescuing him off the streets is, uh, is to not only, <laughs> thank God, put some people behind bars who, who used to mess with him, but now we have, uh, we have him in a place. We've had him have him for quite some time, over in the uh, over on the west side of town, we have him in a place where he stays. It's actually a motel where he does have an air conditioner. He has a refrigerator. He has food. He has he has all of his needs taken care of. He has his shower. He has his bed and and everything. But but occasionally in places like that, they have to move people around. And so he has a lot of stuff now, and and we're needing to move him to another room. Next, uh, it'll be on Saturday morning of next week. Not next week, this week. Saturday morning of this week at 9 a.m. And if you are available at all, if you'd like to help for about, I assume it'll be about an hour and a half or so, just to move some stuff. It, it's not necessarily heavy, heavy work. It's just kind of moving some stuff from one room to another at this particular motel. It would be greatly appreciated. I'm going to be there, and it'll be a good time of fellowship as well. And, and it will be a way that, uh, that you can minister to the homeless in a very special and unique way that's customized for our church. So if you're able to do that, if you're, or if, this let me tell you, if you're interested in more information on that, I'd be glad to get that to you. The way to do that is to take a next card. Go ahead and do that now. Just take a next card and just put your name on it and write Jack, J-A-C-K, and circle it anywhere on that card and, and turn that in at the next station. And then I'll be, be in touch with you this week regarding more information on that. So I look forward to doing that. Uh, right now, I know there's one other individual who's interested in more information, but at this point, it's me. And so I, I really, it would be great if I about three or four people who are with us on that day. So, so go ahead and, and let me know about that if you're interested in doing that. 
Uh, if you'd just like to reach out, do something you've never done before and give uh, an hour and a half, maybe two hours of your time to, uh, to a person who's in deep need, all right? Uh, so, so let's go ahead and move into the message today. I encourage you to get your notes out. Also get your Bibles out. Turn, keep, that, keep those Bible locations up there on the screen just a little bit longer. Thanks, guys. That way you don't ever have to worry about where we're looking today. Those two scriptures are very important. You know what? We live in a turbulent and shifting culture. And, and the thing is, we don't have any choice in the matter. We're here. God put us here. So I, I like to think of it this way. We have to learn how to surf. We have to surf the waves of the culture instead of letting the waves pound you and hammer you to the ground. And being a guy who lived around the beach for quite a while, I definitely know how that works. And so, so I... I, I want to remind you, though, that we're living in a unique time. There's never been a time like this in history. And at the same time, it's no surprise to God. In fact, God knew this time was coming, and God, in his master plan, decided to put you and me in this place, in this city, at this time in 2023, whatever year it is, 2023, for a purpose. And that purpose is to, to do his work and to be his light in the culture. But he also knew this. You and I would not only be able to withstand the issues of the culture, but we would be able to surf the waves. And, uh, and, and, and even though the forces of hell might be punching you and might be buffeting your life, I want to tell you this. With the power of God, with the strength of God, with the favor of God, you've got this, all right? Now, every one of us, we struggle to some degree. We all do. And things happen in our lives, things that can knock us off our feet. It could be a divorce. It could be a lost job. Maybe your business failed or there's been this surprise detour and, and your plans are no longer your plans. Uh, maybe your ambitions have taken you absolutely nowhere and you've hit dead ends. Maybe, maybe, maybe mistakes and sins from your past have come back to bite you and they've bit you hard. Maybe you've been afflicted with some kind of a life-altering uh, physical condition, or you've been in an accident. Maybe you've been a victim of rejection, loneliness. Maybe those, it's just overwhelming you. Well, when things like that happen, I'm not saying if, I'm saying when, because things like that happen to all of us. You can be literally shaken to your core. Because life is difficult. God didn't plan, God didn't promise just easy, smooth sailing. And, and, and if, you, if you just stay in that situation, it'll leave you feeling hopeless and maybe even worse. You begin to question everything. You question God. You question even your identity. And, and it's like when the junk of life begins to push you down, it's almost like you don't even know who you are anymore. Who am I and what in the world's going on? Now, I, I want to tell you, from the perspective of a pastor, I see this all the time. I do, and I've, I've actually, I see it a lot more than you would believe that I see it. And the, the, the thing is, though, we're always pretty good at just masking it, just hiding it. And, and we, we know how to do that. We mask it, we hide it, we keep going on. But, but I've heard this so many times. I don't even know who I am anymore. And that's a real situation. And when things in your life seem to be falling apart, 
what it is, it's kind of like your foundation is cracked or it's shifted. And here in North Texas, if you're a homeowner, you definitely know what I'm talking about. It's like your foundation is messed up. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to walk through some foundation building and some foundation repair issues for our lives. And, and even if you feel like, hey, I'm doing great right now, I'm going to challenge you through these series of messages to do some foundation inspection. So this series that I'm talking about is simply called this. It's called Searching for Me. And I believe that what I'm sharing this month can absolutely revolutionize your life spiritually and it, can, and, and it will help you deal with any potential discouragement, confusion, anxiety, lack of direction, or even just your loss of identity. I don't even know who I am anymore. In fact, uh, I, I'm expecting and I've been praying that many of you will receive a revelation from God on how to deal with a huge boulder that's been blocking your forward advance where you're just stuck. Now here in the city, we live in an overstimulated culture. We do. And, and the, the culture that we live in, it, it really provides very little clarity for what matters the most. Uh, we're being tugged at from every side, and our culture is very, very busy. And, and, uh, and what I'm seeing in a lot of lives as a result of that is chaos, jumping from one thing to another to another to another. And, and, it, and I'm also seeing that it's keeping people, regardless of your age, regardless of your experience, it's keeping you from knowing who you really are. So instead of our culture encouraging uh, spiritual training, which it doesn't at all and encourages everything, but what we're lured into are hollow experiences. We're always pursuing the next big thing, and at the same time we try to maintain relationships, but the vast majority of those relationships, if not all of them, are very, very shallow. We work to keep up with our news feed, and we prop ourselves up on social media, but it does nothing to build and strengthen our foundation. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of meeting with somebody who I've known for many, many years. A person that was, has a uh, dear friend of mine, the person who's a media, uh, a person who's in the media, well-known. And this person said, hey, I'm, I'm in town and I've got to talk and I don't know anyone else to talk to. Explained how this person's life is just falling apart. Everything seems to be disintegrating. And those words came again, even after I'd already planned this series of messages, I don't even know who I am anymore. You go to this person's social media, and then they look great. Everything looks good. But it's what we do. We do that stuff. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But it's, we, we can't look at others and just think, well, everybody else has got it made because, because Everybody doesn't. We're all going through certain levels of stuff and junk ourselves. So I'm going to take us over these next few weeks into some ancient scriptures. <laughs> the Bible, the Word of God. Because these ancient scriptures, the Bible outlasts every fad. It outlasts every nation. And it's what we can directly apply to our lives because the Bible, the scriptures are timeless. And I believe that they're going to give us some fresh hope, some vision, some clarity, 
and even some new joy to our lives. I, I want to believe God for that. Do you want to believe God for that as well? All right. Well, today's message in this first in this series is called, Who Am I? Now, I want us to do a little bit of self-assessment first, because today I'm kind of laying the foundation for all of this. So how would you feel if you were placed into a room full of strangers and it was a social activity? Now, I'm not talking about a lecture or a classroom where you go in and hear something. And no, I'm talking about a social activity. And, you're, and it's, it's everybody in the room, everyone is a total stranger, and you're not allowed to share your last name, and you're not allowed to talk about your occupation or what you do. Now, would you feel comfortable? Now, actually, me, I would have a lot of fun in an atmosphere like that. I, I would have a blast. But, but would you feel comfortable doing that? Well, probably not. You see, because you're your full name and what you do for a living or the company that you work for, it's kind of our way in our culture of putting ourselves out there. This is who I am. Now, I could say, I'm Tim. That's all I would be able to tell people. But that doesn't really identify me. I mean, people might think I'm Tim Burton. Uh, They could think I'm Tim McGraw. You know, Tim Allen. I don't know. Tim Tebow. Possibly. So just the name Tim by itself could leave you wondering, well, is this guy a a director? Is he a football player? Is he a country singer? Is he an actor? Whatever. But if I say, I'm Tim Woody, I'm the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth, then they would know who I am, right? Actually, no. They would only know what I do, and then they would also have my father's last name, which is attached to my name. That's it. Well, then I could show them my ID. Well, what is that? That's a bunch of words and letters and numbers. That means nothing. Plus a very, very bad picture of yourself. You don't want to show that. So I want to propose this. Who you are is not really based upon your surname. That's your last name. And it really doesn't have anything to do with your occupation. Okay, for us to understand this, I want us to take us to the scriptures. I want to tell you about a guy. His name is Peter. And I've been talking about Peter over the past several weeks, but Peter was a man who literally had to search for himself. Uh, To describe him, people would probably say things like this. Well, uh, he's a fisherman. He's hardworking. He has a great work ethic. He's intense. Others might say, yeah, he likes weapons a lot. Uh, Others would say, well, he loathes the Roman occupation of Palestine. He hates that. And, and, uh, and at the same time, he's headstrong and he's opinionated. He's impulsive. Others might say, yeah, he's one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And, and, and others might say, yeah, he's like the polar opposite of Matthew, who was the Roman tax collector, who was also one of the disciples. You see, Peter's personality was edgy. It was aggressive. He was extremely loyal. He speaks without thinking, and he denied Jesus three times. And this guy was also renamed by Jesus to help him get his identity put together. His, his name was actually Simon. That's why sometimes the two names are put together, Simon Peter, but he was Simon, and Jesus renamed him Peter, which means rock. See, Peter is the the uh, first disciple of Jesus who actually said, you are the Messiah. So that guy had some revelation. He's also a guy who preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to Christ and were baptized. Peter is the guy who walked on water. 
And Peter's also the guy who loved his weapon so much he pulled out a sword and he lopped off the ear of someone who was trying to arrest Jesus. We know that Peter was married uh, because his his uh, mother-in-law was actually healed by Jesus. And in other places we find that it's very obvious that Peter had some type of a Galilean, almost hillbilly kind of accent. He talked like he was from East Texas. Sorry, guys, but, you know, East Texans do talk a certain way. So this gives you a glimpse of Peter, Peter on the outside. But when you read the Bible, you find out that Peter really struggled with his identity. But finally, he came to terms with it. And when he finally came to terms with it, when he was writing in the scriptures, he was writing these letters that occupy so much of the New Testament, he wrote these things out for us, and they are a an incredible treasure. And I believe they, in many ways, God knew what was happening there. God put those words into Peter's heart. So he, when he wrote those, God knew. Peter didn't, but God knew. Well, we would be looking at those some 2,000 years later, and we would be able to take those words and say, yeah, I need that right now. Now, understanding the type of man who penned these various words, I want you just to drink this in. And this is from a passage that's found in the Message Version of the Bible. This is written by, by, uh, by, by Peter. And take a look at it up here on the screens. It says, listen to this. This is that crazy guy. You are the ones chosen of God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives. That means the people who are here. So that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. And I could go on and on. Now, all of this came from a man who really struggled with his identity because his life was turned upside down multiple times. But he overcame it, and what he provides for us in the scriptures is a template for our own identity. See, what Peter did is he adopted this this, uh, powerful outlook on, on conveying identity and purpose and calling and function. So to start off, to start off, this is the first point here. To find yourself, <laughs> you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are, not what you do. <laughs> Honestly, it's not all that important what you do. We make it important, but it's not all that important. But who you are, it will be manifested through what you do, and how you do what you do. See, for example, I, I like to say I have four roles in my life. It's, it's not who I am, but these are my four roles. I, I always say I, I'm a husband, I'm a father, 
I'm a pastor, and I'm a leader. Those are my four roles. But that's not who I am. Because if any of those four roles are eliminated, or if all of those four roles are eliminated, then if, if that's who I am, then I am nothing. Do you understand that? And that's what happens in people's lives constantly. I would be lost. But who I am is actually seen through those roles in my life. Now I want you to look in your Bibles in John chapter number 1, verse 12. John 1, 12. Now, if you're a believer, what you've done is you've actually taken upon yourself a new identity. And now you can actually begin to be known as who you really are, who you are, not what you do. Take a look at John chapter 1, verse 12 and verse thir- through verse 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, now take a look at that again. This is important. Those who believe in his name, those who were born not of blood, that means born from a mother, nor from the will of the flesh, like somebody desired to have a child, nor from the will of man, but of God. Now that's right there is our starting place. That's where we are. See, when you get saved, you're born into a brand new identity. You are a child of God. So you can say, well, who am I? Well, we've got to start here. You are a child of God. I am a child of God. In fact, will you say those words with me? I am a child of God. Come on, say it with me. I am a child of God. Now that is the core of your identity. God is your father. The God who created the universe has taken up residence inside of you and you now have an identity that transcends your surname and that transcends your occupation. Now, now it's very interesting uh, because our fathers actually have a lot to do with the way we see ourselves, whether you recognize it or not. And the challenge with that is there is no perfect human father on this earth. No one. So if we're going to understand this purest form of identity, we have to get our identity from Father God. You see, in our culture, in this world, most of the time, most of the time, a father is disconnected from his child. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've experienced it. Sometimes abusive, withdrawn, maybe absent or emotionally unavailable. And if your interests don't align with his interests, then you feel in the dark. You're lost. You have his name, but you may or may not be deeply attached to your father. And that is a huge, huge challenge, especially in today's culture. Let's be honest. Most people do have what I call father issues of one type or another. For some of you, it's very, very painful. And you're saying, why did you have to bring this up? Now you're making me think of all of this. Well, I want to just tell you this. It's not your fault and you're not in the boat alone. What I want you to understand, though, is that you have been chosen by a different father, a father who is perfect, a father who can give you a stronger identity than the name that has been assigned to you. Just like the scripture said, your earthly father didn't choose you. 
Now, now I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love my father. I believe that I had the best dad in the world. But my dad didn't choose me. I was simply born into his family. Now, God, on the other hand, he is a father who looked, he saw you, he chose you, and then he allowed you and he invited you to become a part of his family. And therefore, God, the Father, gives you a foundation for an incredible life that you can build your life on and so that you can break free from the other father issues that you're all dealing with. So no longer is your foundational identity your name or what you do for a living. Your identity is found in who you are. You are a child of God. Today our culture has this interesting way of generalizing groups of people and assigning labels, and it's just continuing to get more and more intense as time goes by. And, and the culture tells us who we are. They try telling us who we are based upon our ethnicity or based upon social standing or based upon occupation or what generation you're from or what your income level is or even where you live. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this and this is a, is a good description of it because like back when I was in junior high, I was in this place, it's called middle school now, but back then it was called junior high. I was in junior high in this city out near the beach in South Texas called Harlingen, Texas. Have y'all been to Harlingen, Texas? Uh, yeah, that was, I, I, had a, I had a great time in junior high and high school there. Uh, but we had a simple way, in junior high we had a simple way of identifying who you are. There were really just two groups of people in junior high. There were. There literally were now in today's middle school. No, there are like 15,000 different little, because that's what the culture is continuing to do. But there were just two basic groups of people. Now, don't make fun of me, but this is the way it was. This is the, what, what the, the, local church, the local culture had kind of assigned to us. You were either a kicker or a surfer. Now, a, a, you, you, I mean, you may not get this, but the surfer wasn't actually a person who surfed. It, it, it just meant that you listened to pop music or rock music, and most certainly you wore Levi's jeans. That's just the way it was. Okay, you look at a person, aha, I hear your music, I see your Levi jeans, you're a surfer. That's it. That was, it was that simple. And if you were not a surfer, you were on the other side, you were a kicker. What a kicker did is they had a little ring in their back pocket where they would have their Copenhagen. And even, I, I knew guys like this, even if they didn't have it worn down, they would, they would put something in there and they would buff it until they got that ring. They wore cowboy boots and they listened to country music. That's just the way it was. And, got to understand this, they all wore a different, they did not wear Levi's. They wore Wrangler jeans. So, that's, that's the way it was. So, you know, ethnicity, even economic status, intelligence level had nothing to do with those categories. And I was a surfer, and I did actually like the beach. Now, when we moved into high school, all of a sudden there were a lot more divisions. Now, the surfer and the kicker thing were still predominant. They, they really were. But, but there, were these more, there were these other categories. That's where you started seeing some people that were preppies. Other people that were called nerds, and the other people that were called rockers, and then, then there were another group that were called the lowriders. 
Now, I'm not going to get into every single one of these, but just, just for example, the, the rockers were the, guy who wore, the guys who wore these concert T-shirts, but they also did drugs. And so if you did drugs and wore a concert T-shirt, then you were a rocker. And I, I'll just let you know I was not a rocker, but I had some wonderful rocker friends. Now, a nerd? No, because I certainly wasn't smart enough, and every nerd in those days had to carry around this huge calculator by, made by Texas Instruments, and they would carry them with them everywhere. I didn't want to be that. And then there's a preppy. Well, maybe. I would say I was more of a surfing preppy, but, but never a kicker, because I tried Copenhagen, and I didn't like it, and I refused to wear cowboy boots, so that's where I was. So you're broken into these little groups. That's your identity. That's who you are. Who am I? Well, you look at it, you're a surfer, and you're a dude. Okay. But then as time went on, uh, there became the generational identities. I really didn't know anything about that growing up, but about the time I was in college and coming out of college, all of a sudden this became a big deal. Because I found out that my generation, in which I was born, is called Generation X. And they said this, the X means you have two strikes against you. (laughs) You're a loser. Here's here's what they said about us. You're lost in the sea of societal change. You're latchkey children. You're smaller and weaker group than the wonderful baby boomers. You You had weak parenting and you had really no or very little adult supervision. And we were told that we were slackers, we were cynical, we were disaffected, and that we were bleak. But I'll also let you know, we were also the MTV generation. I want my MTV. I mean, I know it, I can sing it. That's back when MTV was, was music videos and concerts. How times have changed. But, but the thing is, it's interesting, but when it comes to the generations, they got it a bit wrong. See, now supposedly, my generation that I've been assigned to because of the date I was born is considered to be active, happy, achieving work-life balance, entrepreneurial. So why do they keep the annoying Gen X uh, label on me? Which am I? I, I, I? It's because people crave identity. So see, that's who I am. That's actually just when I was born. And then after that, I thought, well, what are they going to do next? There'll be another generation coming up. Oh, sure enough, then the next generation was called Millennials, also known as Gen Y. And do you realize this? You probably don't. I'll just tell you. The United States Census Bureau, so this is an organization of the United States government, has identified that generation, the Millennials, Gen Y, as those born between 1982 and the year 2000. So if you were born during that time, supposedly you're going to get stamped with this millennial stamp on you. And the weird thing is the government itself has literally declared your identity. That's who you are, so they say. And then, of course, there's Gen Z, and I don't even want to get started with that, all right? But the culture, what it is, it's always trying to tell you who you are, and that's what we live in these days. And it's based upon all these different categories that keep popping up, and, the, and everything keeps shifting and moving, and it's, and it's really the opposite of what the church should do. And I would say almost as dangerous of that attitude is where, like, my generation would tell you, hey, you know what, if you're younger, go find yourself. 
Go chase your dreams. Be driven by your passions, and eventually you'll find your way. Well, that sounds nice, but I'll tell you the truth. That is empty, and it's irresponsible. God says something different. God says this. As a believer, you are anointed. You are to rise up. You are to step out in faith and the Lord looks at you with faith and this pastor looks at you with faith and and I want to tell you this, you are chosen by God. You are a child of God himself. That is your foundational identity. Now we have more to build on here, but that's your foundational identity. So don't let anybody despise your birthday. Don't let anybody categorize you I, I like all those things. I mean, it's interesting to look at, but don't let people put you in that box. You know, if, if you're really going to find yourself, you need to get rid of some of the labels that have been put on you by the culture or even by the government. Tear off those labels. In fact, you need to tear off some of the labels you put on yourself or that you found yourself in, such as your marital status, your occupation, your Myers-Briggs profile. <laughs> your failures, your successes, your income level, or the part of town you live in. See, when you begin to see yourself from a different perspective, instead of through all those filters, but that you are chosen by God and you are chosen to be a child of God, I believe this. When you get into that identity, the power of the Lord will come upon you and you will be a person who changes culture. You will be a person who influences the culture makers and the culture will not change you. Because when you walk in your true identity, you're not going to be overcome by the shifting cultural identities. You're not going to be slammed by the waves, but you can get on top of those waves and surf them and have a great time. And you're not going to be overcome by the enemy, but you will overcome the enemy. So you're going to be able to stand where even religion itself has not even been able to stand in the past because you're taking action in the name of Jesus as a child of God and you are certain of your identity. So today I want to say this to you. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus, children of God. May the power of God fall upon every single one of you. And we're going to be able to say, look what the Lord has done in me and through me because I know who I am and we know who we are. Okay, church, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're sons and daughters of God himself who created this universe, who is preparing a place for you for eternity to invite you home. So stop letting fatherlessness or a lack of an anchor, or these assigned identities, or or your personal pain, or the shifting culture to tell you who you are. I am boldly telling you today, only God, only God gives you identity, purpose, calling, and direction. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be walking you through a process of rejecting wrong identities. And many of these identities we put upon ourselves now we're going to be able to operate as true children of God. Now I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Take a look at this scripture. This is one that should be underlined and highlighted in your Bibles, guys. 
Who am I? Who are you? Here's what Peter said. He got it. You are a chosen people. Let that sink in. You are a royal priesthood. Two words that don't even typically fit together. That means you're a family in a family of royalty and you're also a priest. A priest means a priest is someone who actually goes into the presence of God. You get to do that. You're royal. You're in the family of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're a holy nation. Sure, your nationality might be U.S. of American, right, USA, American, but, but no, no, you're, you're a holy nation. You're Christian. I'll take a look at this next one. You are a people of God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Friends, that's where it all begins. That is your identity. This is your foundation. This is something that when you accept it, you can begin to build on this and build a beautiful life. Again, you might say everything's fine right now, but I'll tell you, there will be storms. They will hit. And when you're built on this foundation, when you really know who you are, then you can begin to build the other elements of your life. I don't care whether you're 14, 44, or 74. Who are you? You are a child of God. I want everybody to stand. I want to to pray over you. I want to bless you. Church, look at me. Walk in the identity of God. Build for yourself a strong foundation. The shifting winds of culture, they keep changing all the time, but you don't have to bend on them. No, you can just simply ride the waves of it. And these life obstacles that you've been facing, some of you, you're right in the middle of one right now. It will not sideline you because you know who you are. I declare this over you. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people of God's own possession so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you. He called you by name. He called you out of darkness. And he said, come into my glorious light. That's who you are. No more waffling on it. When that foundation is built and it's solid and you are firm, then you can move forward with your life with new confidence and strength no matter what you're facing. And some of you are facing some huge battles. I know you guys. I know some of you are facing some massive battles right now. But you don't have to lose who you are in the process. This foundation will carry you through so much. And there's a lot more to this. So Lord Jesus, I just pray right now over every man and woman every young adult who's in this room, 
I also pray over our children who aren't hearing this message, but they're in this room. God, I pray your blessing over every one of us. God, help us to snap ourselves out of the feelings of lethargy and discouragement. Help us to snap ourselves out of those feelings of, well, I'm identified this way, or this is the way I am, or I was, I, this is what I was born, and this is what's been assigned to me. No, we choose to snap out of that. Instead, God, we choose to say we are children of God because that's our true identity. And the world will not give Give us their identity. The culture will not assign an identity to us for we know who we are. And God, as these intense days continue to intensify, I pray that you will help us to stand more solid than ever in our identity of you, that the foundation of our lives will not be cracked, it will not be flawed, but will be strong and we'll be able to build wonderful lives on the foundation of who we are, children of God. Just close your eyes right now. And just, just whisper this to yourself. Say, I'm a child of God. Come on, just I'm a child of God. Just say this to yourself. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Just say this, I'm strong in the Lord. I am strong in the Lord. I'm built on the rock of Jesus. Come on, say that. I'm built on the rock of Jesus. We thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As Denise comes up to dismiss us, I'm going to ask you to walk in this. Some of you need to literally write these words down somewhere where you're going to see it, even if you have to put it on your calendar where it pops up three times a day. I am a child of God. Because when you hit some tough stuff this week, when somebody lets you down, when you get a bad report, when, when things just end up backwards and you find yourself totally lost, remember this, I am a child of God. And you can go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. If you need to read it over and over and over and get some Bible study tools and read it over and over and over, get this in your heart. Because when this foundation is strong in your life, you will be able to withstand the junk and the trash and the waves of our culture. And then you can ride on those waves. I'll tell you what, guys. When I was in high school, I wasn't a surfer, but eventually I did learn to surf. And it is fun. It is wonderful to ride on the waves and not be hit by the waves. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.